Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask maybe uh, consider helping us out a bit and supporting it. You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one. And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well. Right now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only five bucks a month. If you like the show, help keep us on the air. And become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight on an emergency trek through a blizzard, a peculiar stranger guides a young boy to safety. But was this the ghost of someone who had not yet lived? Girls love bath time, but here's something sinister that lures one woman to the antique clawfoot tub. One couple brings home much more than just a souvenir from their trip to New Orleans, and an acquaintance makes a surprise visit to a family, yet a phone call reveals he is still hours away. Those stories, your calls, and more tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Looks like some interesting stories this evening. Yes, the first one's hard to de- hard to explain. You just have to hear it to get it. Okay, I don't know what what <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of somebody who may not have lived yet. Oh, oh yes, 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 yes. That's interesting. That okay, that could be really peculiar. I'm I'm kind of allured into the uh, the clawfoot bathtubs because those scare me. They scare you. They've always just been creepy. I don't know. I've, I, I, they're neat. I, I've never actually been in one. I've always thought it'd be cool to have a bathroom with one in. Uh huh. Um, but they're, you know, I've never been in a practical situation where you could fit one because they really do re- kind of require a lot of open space. Yeah, they do. No, I've never been in one either. But they, they look, they, they look neat. But they also do look kind of creepy. They look like, like, I don't know if it's Ghostbusters that I'm going back to, but it looks like something that's going to kind of open up its arms and eat you while you're in the tub. Oh. That's kind of the nightmare I have about it. That sounds relaxing. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, that's a great uh, great vision to have when you're trying to relax in a bathtub, that the tub may eat you yes. as pink slime oozes out. If you like the show, be sure to tell a friend about it. Be sure to share a link on Facebook or Twitter. Of course, your support is what helps us stay alive and grow the show. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. As you know, <clears throat> I'm going to kick off the show today here with a letter. This comes into us from Donna. Donna says, Hi, Tony and Jenny. Love your show. I have a few stories I'd love to share with you. I'll start with just one of my stories for now. Since listening to your podcast, I find myself having more discussions with others about the paranormal, which is one of my favorite topics. Not too long ago, I went along with my mom to visit my grandmother in a nursing home. My mom is very open-minded, and we sometimes go on for hours about the paranormal. I knew Grammy was very religious and somewhat close-minded about it, but decided on a whim to ask her if she'd had any experiences. She's still very clear-minded and not one to tell tales. I'll try to relate the story as accurately as possible from her perspective. 
Did you ever hear the story about my father's long journey in the snow? She asked me. I remembered a bit about it, but not much. It was probably told to me by my great-grandpa himself years ago. Please refresh my memory, Grammy. I responded. Well, she began. It was in the year 1912. My father was about ten at the time, living in a small cabin in the backwoods of Maine with his parents and five siblings. He told me how he remembered helping his mother take in the clothes from the line with the wind whipping through them and flurries swirling in the cool fall air. His mother seemed unwell to him, so he told her to go in the house and get warm and he'd finish. Following behind her not too long after, he found her passed out on the floor with the little ones around her trying to wake her. She awoke and went to her bed immediately to nap, which was not like her. My father's dad was away for work, and the kids, all under the age of ten, were miles away from civilization. That night and into the next night, everyone except for my father became ill. They were all coughing and feverish. My grandmother took my young father aside and told him that he had to go on an important journey. He had to walk to town, which was more than 15 miles away, and get a doctor. My father felt scared, but like he had to be the man. He told his family goodbye, dressed as warmly as possible, and headed out on the somewhat straight road to town. Only a few hours into his trek, it began to snow. The snow turned into blizzard conditions, and he could barely see a foot in front of him. He kept on slowly, feeling the tips of his toes and fingers numbing. He wanted to cry, believing he wouldn't make it, but it was too cold to cry. Running on empty... He sat down on a log to try to find the strength to keep going. He really had no idea how long he had been walking or how long he had left. When through the blur of the snowflakes, he saw something coming his way. He wasn't sure if he should feel relieved or scared by the approaching stranger. Once the stranger got closer, he felt a warm, peaceful feeling come over him. The stranger said, "'Hi, young man. Have you seen a yellow dog by any chance?' "'No,' my father answered, a bit perplexed. Where did this man come from? Maybe you could help me find him, the man said and introduced himself as Adam. Adam was my young father, as my young father described, was very handsome and in his twenties, maybe, but he noticed the clothes he was wearing were very odd. At that time, he didn't recognize the clothes Adam wore until years later in life. He then realized the clothes were of a pilot with a hat with fur and flaps and a bomber jacket. At that time, he thought, how could he must be being not warmly dressed, but Adam seemed fine. My father said Adam beamed with joy and walked with him until reaching the small town. They talked and laughed, and as soon as they saw the town, the dog appeared from seemingly nowhere. Adam was laughing with excitement, and my father realized what should have taken him hours seemed more like minutes. He told Adam how wonderful it was that he found his dog, and Adam replied that he was likewise happy that my father would be safe. Then, in an instant, my father says he disappeared. The snow was letting up, and he could see much further than before, but he was nowhere to be seen. Making his way to town and finally a doctor, he was given a bed and slept for what seemed like forever. Unfortunately, my father's mother and siblings all died from influenza because no one could get out to them due to the blizzard for days. My grandmother ended the story there. My great-grandfather survived, therefore I exist, and he went on to have a happy life into his 90s. He married and had a boy and two girls. They named their son Adam. My uncle Adam became a pilot against his parents' will. 
who was extremely handsome and often wore the bomber attire in old photos I've seen. Uncle Adam died in 1941 at just 21 in a solo plane crash. I've always been drawn to his photos and feel like there was something very special about him. Was he an angel? Could the stranger, Adam, and Uncle Adam have been the same person? I may never know. I hope one day I'll meet him and he'll teach me how to fly. Donna. Okay, so the question that we'll never find the answer out to, but I know everybody's wondering, is can ghosts go back in time? Kind of a back to the future mm-hmm. type trek for a ghost. Where, I mean, this kind of goes full circle. I'm sure that the grandfather named his son Adam because of this experience. But sure. could this have been like a, a cycle and that actually was the ghost of his future son that went back in time to help him through the blizzard. Or did Adam discover time travel with his airplane at the age of 21 and wanted to go back in time because he knew he to stop the loop of people disappearing just like on Back to the Future, people falling out of pictures. He knew he had to go back to correct something and that was getting his grandfather to survive and in doing so he died in the plane crash. <laughs> That's a bit much. It's it's pretty far to go to have anything on this show called be called out as a bit much, and I think that would qualify as a bit much. It's kind of like Back to the Future, though, because, I mean, if you really follow Back... It's funny, because I'm watching Back to the Future now as an adult, and I'm catching so many things that I didn't catch when I was a kid. I'm like, oh, that's... They do that for this, and they have to do that to do that. That's why this is happening, and things I just did not realize as a, sure. chi- a child. And there's a lot of those weird loops in there where somebody has to go back for a certain time. And I can't quote it exactly how it all works out, but I know that something with, you know, I can't keep track of which doc he's dealing with throughout Back to the Future. If it's the original one or if it's the one that he came back to the future. I don't know. It's I'm still <laughs> confused as an adult. But anyway, I'm trying to say it's kind of like that, maybe. Yeah. It is. I don't know. It's a neat story. It is, and it does beg the question of can ghost time travel? Because I think that's probably the more <laughs> logical for an illogical situation uh, yeah. answer than anything else than my Back to the Future screwed up loop. Someone is going to explain this in like a ten paragraph form now on our message board of how Back to the Future logistically works. And you probably should sit there and read it so that you I get will. this 30 year old movie understood. Because I'm still not quite understanding it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if you want more ghost stories, become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. Get the bonus episode every single week. Uh, right now, uh, we're up to uh, 21 bonus episodes that you get right when you sign up. The email goes right out to you automatically. Uh, and then, of course, you're on the list uh, every single week. We send you out a brand new episode. So please consider supporting the show. It's only five bucks a month. Keeps us a going. Casey writes in, I've had several experiences over my lifetime. The most significant one happened when I was in high school. Grew up in Georgetown, South Carolina, which is a very old and haunted town. I had a friend who lived on an old plantation house out in the country on a swamp. She had told me many times that her house was haunted. They had only one room that was occupied in the upstairs, which used to be her little sister's, but she complained about a little girl that would sing and keep her up late at night. So she switched rooms with her. I did not believe her and thought she was just poking fun. Her boyfriend had stayed one weekend and said that he woke up too, to it all. 
She was standing next to the bed staring at him. She convinced me to stay the night one weekend so that we could have a seance and that she could prove it to me. It started earlier that day when she wanted to show me a strange tree out in the swamp, so we both put on our high rubber boots and walked through the swamp to this old tree that had carvings of pentagrams and things which she probably did herself. Is that such a good idea to put on large boots and wander through a swamp? Ever? Down there? Unless you really, really know what you're doing, I wouldn't recommend it. There's a lot of, like, gators and stuff, isn't there? It's one thing to, like, wander through a swamp up north. It's like beavers are the worst that you're going to see. Yeah, I don't know how far north alligators are. Are they just, like, in the Gulf regions? Do they go up a little bit further? I don't know. I don't honestly know. You just said you don't know, then I keep asking the question, because suddenly you're going to know the answer if I ask it again. Yes. Um, I don't know. Interesting. She said that this tree was haunted by an old slave woman who used to work on the plantation. She asked me to put my hand on the tree, and she started to chant weird things. The wind started blowing very hard around us. Her dogs had come out into the swamp with us, and I noticed that they immediately got scared and ran off. I took my hand off the tree and told her that I had had enough and wanted to go back. She asked me if I had heard the woman's voice, and I told her no. I wanted to go, so we left. That night we were asleep in her room. The dogs, who were not allowed upstairs, were crying and howling at the door, which woke me up. Then I heard singing, which sounded like a little girl. I turned over to my friend and tried to wake her, but she would not, so I covered my head and began to cry until morning, when I left as soon as I could and never went back. I came home and told my mother about it, and she was so upset that she took me to see our preacher who believed that I had been near a demon. I was never allowed to see that friend again. I don't think I'd let my child go play over at another house where they go out into the swamp and look at pentagrams on random trees. But do you think the parents really knew? If I just found out that part of it and not the rest of it, that would be enough for me to say, I don't think we're going to play sure. over at little Susie Swampland's house. But I, I, I doubt, you know, like, we go to Susie Swampland's house. We're going to go to the swamp in boots and we're going to look at pentagrams on trees. No, that probably was not the conversation that was had, but if I had found that out... After. That would have been sure. enough. The, the end of Susie Swamp. Yeah. Um, let alone the experiences within the house itself. The thing is, it's funny because I could picture our youngest um, getting really excited in that scenario once the wind starts howling and somebody puts their hand in the tree and all the stuff happens. A lot of children would run and be scared. I think she'd be like... Might do it. Yeah, she's a daredevil. She'd be all about it. Um, 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. How would you handle that as a kid if you had a friend who did that? What would your reaction be? To suggest going out in the swamp? and Well, looking- first that. Would you, would you go out in the swamp? No. No, I was the dorky kid that when I went over to a friend's house and she suggested we ride on the go-kart and I knew I wasn't allowed, I called and got permission first. That was the kind of kid I was. So going trekking out in the swamp would probably have required me to call and get permission first. And you probably wouldn't get that permission. No. You called and got permission to go on a go-kart? I sure did. I See, I probably would have been just kind of chicken about it. Really? Honestly, yeah. I mean, 
well, maybe not a go-kart. A go-kart wasn't so bad. Go-karts I was okay with. It was more so like the four-wheelers and the three-wheelers. Mm-hmm. Those kind of scared me because I had no experience on them and just saw people kind of riding crazily. And I was always afraid I was going to fall off. So I never rode on one. So I'd be the, the person who was like, they're going around, who wants to take a ride? I'd be like kind of off in the corner. Yeah. Like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Tony, you want to go? No, no, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Sure, no, it's fun. Come try it. No, no, thank you. Well, I got permission and I rode it and it was fun. It went faster than I thought it would. Go-karts are great. But this was just one of those situations where I knew I had been told not to ride on those. Mm-hmm. And I did not want it to get back to my parents because we weren't far from the house I lived at. It was, so they'd find out. Yeah, they would definitely find out and then I'd be trouble. Sure. Well, there you go. You got permission. I would have just hid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 855-853-4802 is a phone number. Hi. Hi, my name is Gina Perez. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I have a story. Basically, it started when I was a kid and um, something's been around for a while now, um, but it, it kind of got to the height of existence um, when I was in college, sophomore year. Um, lived in a dorm. Um, they were pretty old dorms. I think they were built back in the 60s and uh, at Arizona State University. And um, in this particular dorm, I lived by myself, and it was uh, definitely very quiet living by myself. Um, at the same time, I had felt this entity around me all the time. I did used to do the tarot cards. I've been doing them since I was like 12. Um, and I stopped them. Now I stopped them. But um, back then I was very active with it and it just started getting stronger and stronger. I would wake up feeling like I was getting strangled, seeing things at the end of the bed, seeing shadows at the corner of my eye. And so uh, I decided enough. It, it was really scaring me. And it was to the point where I wasn't even scared anymore. I was just pissed off. And uh, so I just, it started yelling. It started yelling and I started saying, no, this is my ground. I'm standing my ground. You go, you go away. You don't pay the bill. You don't, you know, you're, you're not alive. So leave me alone. You know, I'm not that much, you know, I'm not that much of a loser to be picking on someone. You know, just go away. And it went away. Um, about a year later, Went on a trip with my friend, came back, and she decided, hey, spend the night in my dorm, which is the same dorm I was in, but I was living in a different dorm that year. She said, do you want to me walking across the campus at 3 o'clock in the morning? So I said, okay, I'll stay. And I had completely forgotten exactly what happened in that dorm. And I'm falling asleep, wake up in the middle of the night, like 1.30 in the morning, and I see a black spidery figure above her bed on the other side of the room and it seemed to notice that I moved and it looks at me and then it just in a flash just decides to manifest in front of me on top of me and I hide under the covers and it, it was terrifying just because of the fact that it, it all of a sudden all those memories came back and I was literally in the same building I used to live in so Ever since then, I stopped the tarot cards. Um, I'm not particularly religious. I just started working on positive psychology, um, becoming as positive as possible, and it's all subsided. So it kind of feels like a really 
bad dream instead of actual reality, but I know it's happened. I have a lot of other stories too, but uh, those were the main ones I wanted to say. Thank you. Thanks for calling in and uh, sharing your story with us. It's interesting where she said she's getting into the positive psychology and how it's all kind of teetering away. Yeah, and I think it's a very interesting aspect of psychology, but it's a very difficult thing if you're an inherently negative person. Oh, sure. But it, it's one of those things where do you, is it... Then you have to kind of look at it. Is it actually ridding entities away, or is it were these demons within her? No, I don't think they were within her. Okay. I think they may have been drawn to some negative thoughts or negative energy or stress or whatever have you negative yeah. field. And with the positive psychology, there's less of that, less of the negativity to feed off of. And so... It's just trying to get you back into a better place mentally, mm-hmm. so it's less for them to work with. Sure. That makes sense. I mean, we hear that very often where people are in dark places, and it seems that it kind of just attracts dark things right to them. So, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online to share your Real Ghost Stories with us. We would love to hear them. Of course, you can always write into the website realghoststoriesonline.com Lauren writes in Hey there Tony and Jenny I'm absolutely hooked on your show and I've been listening to it almost daily for the past few months I've had multiple paranormal experiences throughout my life and most of them have been uh, benign and non-threatening however after listening to your podcast and learning more about patterns and experiences one particular experience I've had has begun to creep me out more and more I finally feel the need to share it with you and everyone else. I'm in my mid-twenties. I moved into a basement apartment of a building that was built in 1910. I love this apartment dearly with its hardwood floors, French doors, and huge clawfoot bathtub. However, after a few months of living there, I noticed some strange occurrences and weird energy coming from the bathroom that was attached to my bedroom. I've always had a habit of uh, taking a nightly bath before going to bed to help myself relax and unwind from the day, but for some reason, whenever I took a bath in that clawfoot tub, I never could fully relax and sometimes felt as if something was behind me while I bathed. I felt simultaneously drawn into staying in the tub longer than usual and also wanting to just get out of it. It seemed like the more often I took a bath, the longer I would end up staying in it. I even found myself taking multiple baths on the weekends out of what I thought was boredom and just became more restless because of it. I had a very sweet little black cat named Puppy at the time, and although he was a bit shy at times, he was generally very relaxed around the house. The only exception was when he used to use his litter box during the night, which was in the bathroom. Without fail, almost every night he would come shooting out of the bathroom at terrifying full speed as soon as he finished using the box as if something was chasing after him. He wouldn't stop running till he had cleared my bedroom and ran into the living room. The strange thing is, he never did this during the daytime and only did it at night. After living there for about a year, I started to fall into a depressive and dark state of mind and began drinking excessively. I think I did it to escape from my own darkness and confused self, but only fell deeper into it. I even got into a bad habit of taking a bath after drinking fairly heavily. I was very fortunate to have never fallen asleep while in the tub. 
Things progressively got worse. The energy in the bathroom got heavier and I was drawn into a darker state until one night I had a very strange dream, or rather what I think was a dream but might have been some strange state of wakefulness. I usually left the bathroom door open a crack so Poe could use the litter box at night and get out without me having to get out of bed to let him in the bathroom. During this dream, the bathroom door was open about seven inches, just enough to let the cat through. Out of the corner of my eye, near the middle of the door crack, I saw two dark hands with abnormally long fingers reach along the side of the door frame and grasp onto it as if getting ready to pull whatever creature it was attached to out into my bedroom. I don't know how I could actually see it since the room and bathroom were completely dark, but somehow the hands were darker than anything else. At first I was terrified, but then somehow I knew if I forbid it from leaving the bathroom, it would not be able to come out. I slowly sat up and turned my legs towards the side of my bed and stared at the hands. I'm not a religious person, but I do believe in the power of spiritual light and positive energy. I knew that somehow I was stronger than this creature. In my mind, I told it clearly and strongly that it was not allowed to leave the bathroom and that it must leave immediately. I could feel so much powerful energy radiating out of my chest as if my own spirit or light was pushing it away and forcing it to stay where it was. It was an incredible feeling. Eventually, hesitantly, the hand slowly crept back into the darkness of the bathroom and I lay back down only to wake from the dream, if that's what it truly was. A few moments later, I didn't have any more dreams or dark feelings coming from the bathroom after that, but have an idea of where the energy or entity may have uh, transferred itself to afterwards, which makes me very sad. I can write again more if you'd like. Thank you for all that you do, and thanks for reading my story. Where did it go? Yeah, that's what I want to know. The cat? I don't know. Poe started walking around the house shortly thereafter, scaring the dogs and biting their legs. That's not how the story goes. <laughs> I'm trying to be the possessed Poe. I don't know that it possesses Poe, but I would like to know the rest of the story. But I wonder, with a building with that much history and the negativity surrounding that bathroom, specifically that tub, mm-hmm. if maybe somebody died in that tub. Could be. Or someone was murdered in the tub. I'm thinking there was alcohol in play. Just because of her getting into it and mm-hmm. then being attracted to using the tub with the alcohol? I think so. Like something was subconsciously drawing her to it? Trying to recreate whatever happened before. That could be. So, not that that makes you feel any better. I don't know <laughs> if you're still in that apartment, but... Um, maybe try and avoid the clawfoot tub. Everyone loves their first haunted apartment. So many fond memories. I love my first haunted apartment, too. Yeah. It was a good time. Did you have any hauntings in your first apartment? No. No ghosts? Nothing? No. And I don't remember there ever being anything on the land. The apartments were fairly new, but I grew up in the area, and I don't Mm -hmm. remember anything having been there to have caused a haunting or knew of anything that had been there before. You said the Indian couple upstairs that made a shitload of curry. Oh, my our, My apartment always smelled awesome because of that. Yes. Yeah. Well, I remember you were like, when I, when I first met you there, you were really uh, opposed to the curry smell because I think you were over it because it was every day of the week, which I can understand. I mean, curry's a very, it's a good smell, but 
in doses. I'd been there a year and yeah. two or three times a week. And yeah. it was really a heavy smell. I mean, it you could smell it all through my apartment as if I'd been cooking it. Yeah. And at first I really liked it, but then I kind of got tired of it, you know, mm-hmm. get tired of anything. I remember the it was a creepy experience the first time I did come to your apartment because uh, Google Maps or whatever. I think I used MapQuest back at that time. I think it was before Google Maps were really it. Uh-huh. Remember MapQuest? That was uh-huh. the Yahoo I do remember maps that. where you click on. I was still using Yahoo at the time, too. And uh, and I was probably should have been to Google by that point in my life, but I was still Yahoo. Anyhow, uh, it sent me to... I, it was like a neighborhood behind your apartments. Uh-huh. And it was like an all gravel road. And there were no houses until like way back there. And there's this one house at the end of the gravel road with like a dim light on in the window. And I remember calling you going, uh, is this a place? Are you like in the woods <laughs> or something? And uh, like, no, I'm in the apartment. I'm like, I don't see any apartments. But that and was. they were right there. That was I, the accuracy of MapQuest for you. Yeah. I mean, it literally, because, and it wasn't that I, I went on a wrong turn. It plopped me in that, on that road mm-hmm. way back there. So. Yes, and then I eventually, it was one of those things that eventually just pushed me to start using Google. The <laughs> evil Google. Uh, there you go, 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe, whatever platform it is you're listening to us on. When you press subscribe, you don't miss any episodes that come directly to you. You don't have to search for our show every time you want to find it. Just subscribe, it helps us grow, and uh, you get the shows uh, right at you. Tim writes in, hey guys, I hope this email finds you well and in good spirits. I'm the guy who usually sends you stories about the Haunted Factory. I've had a strange occurrences other places as well. This one happened at my home and I still can't get my mind wrapped around it. Perhaps you can help. My wife and I are empty nesters now and one sunny Saturday we were watching our grandson, 10, and our granddaughter, 2. She was in my wife's lap reading a book, jabbering away in her tiny baby voice. He was with me in our sunroom working on an art project. He and I were quietly concentrating. The only sound was the baby talking in her baby voice, jabbering away. They were in the next room, less than ten feet away. No door separating us. Suddenly, my grandson and I heard a loud voice call out, Shut the door! Not only was it loud, but it was in my granddaughter's tiny voice. It wasn't like a sound of someone talking in the next room, but it filled the air of the whole house. It wasn't just her baby voice, but it was like a grown-up within her exact, with her exact little voice. My grandson's eyes and mine locked, and I asked him if he had heard that, and he said yes. I asked Grandma what the baby said. I was excited, thinking she just said her first sentence. Grandma said the baby said nothing. I said to her, are you sure? And she said she was sure and did not hear her say anything. I turned to him and asked him what he heard, and he said he heard the baby say, close the door. I explained to Grandma what we heard and asked her again if the baby said anything. Well, Grandma was starting to get peeved at me, and I knew she had to be right, as she usually is, so I let it go. Needless to say, I was perplexed that day, and still am, as to what exactly happened and and what was said. Why in a baby's voice? Why could we hear it and not Grandma less than 10 feet away? Why was it heard on a bright sunny day in a new house built on 
an ex-cornfield with no spiritual connection? Why did the sound of it permeate the house in our minds? Why hasn't it happened again? Why me? I got a strong feeling of vertigo that day and still do when I try to wrap my mind around it. It's like the physical paranormal event that's ongoing. Whatever this entity is affected me and still does when I think of it. With the happenings at work and other places in my life, I believe I attracted it. For what purpose, I don't understand. Sincerely, Tim. Okay, Tim. From the first handful of stories about the factory, I thought it was just the factory. Now I'm starting to think maybe... It's you, Tim. There's something about you that is drawing different types of spirits. And I don't know why and I don't have the answer to answer to any of those questions but that's what I'm starting to think. I wonder what the reason was for that door. You know, and it could be something you'll never know. It could be something as silly as close the door and that one second it took you to close the door, you know, saved you from a car accident later that day. You know, because it it puts you back. Kind of like the butterfly effect. Yeah, is that what that is called? I think in theory, yes. Yeah, I mean, where, for whatever reason, that something made you stop, take a little extra time with whatever you're doing, and then move on. And it may not have been an immediate effect where it wasn't like a, you know, hatchet was swinging outside of the door and you didn't walk into it. You know, it may may have literally been one of those things where you then continued on, but you pressed pause for a second and then got to continue on your day and you may have, you know, been saved from something. Yeah, we've heard other stories about that. People that were even had premonitions of car accidents. Mm-hmm. And something delayed them and they come upon the car accident that they saw that they were supposed to have been in. Yeah. That's like Final Destination stuff when you see that. That's disturbing. If, if I were to have a dream of like being in a car accident or whole thing. Because um, I've died in dreams before. Uh-huh. But if I were to like suddenly like, oh my God, this is the dream. And then I somehow survive it because I catch on. I'd be really paranoid then. Even more so than normal. Even more so than normal. Okay. Because I think I'd be I'd be really thinking. Okay, I was supposed to go out there and I just cheated death. Now it's really going to be out to get me. Just oh. like in just like in Final Destination. Okay. You know, there's a reason I haven't seen any of those movies. You don't want to. No. There's stuff you can't unsee. A lot of movies never phase me, and I've only seen, I think, the first one. Um, and and I, I'm fine with gore, and I'm fine with most everything in, in movies. But especially when it's like fantasy, like it's zombies or something. That, I, I, I could care less. Um, but for whatever reason, I remember seeing that first one like in high school. And it just put people in too real of situations that you normally go into. And depicted death all too lifelike. Uh-huh. And it was like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe not want to fly forever. I, I, I have seen snippets of some of the other ones. I've just never seen them in full. Like it's on at like the video store or something. And I think the scenarios get more and more outrageous. So maybe the, the latter ones would be a little easier to handle because it's like, okay, who's really out there shark fishing in the middle of the night and throwing toasters in the water at the same... You know, it just... Things that are likely not to happen. Uh huh. You know, I don't know what they all the scenarios are, but they're probably a little less. I I don't know. I 
saw a snippet of one of the later ones that had a scene where two girls essentially fry in tanning beds. Oh, that sounds like fun. Tell you what, when my girls ever decide they want to start tanning, that's what I'm going to show them because <laughs> it stopped me. I mean, I tanned before we got married uh-huh. just so, you know. I'd for like, our honeymoon. No, for, oh, the, yeah. Oh, yeah. for the wedding day. Because yeah, we, we really didn't go to a hot place. <laughs> no, but it it stopped me from ever yeah. tanning again beyond the fear of cancer. Sure. That's a good thing. That That's something that... <laughs> That could be an interesting thing where it's like a new law where it's required that that's just shown at a, in a, on a loop at all tanning salons. That that's you're, not going to happen. You're allowed to open a tanning salon and run it and do whatever you want in it, but you have to have one television on a loop showing that scene from Final Destination <laughs> endlessly. <laughs> that's that's the, you know, it's that's like the warning. That's like the cigarette warning uh-huh. of the dangers of it. <laughs> that's the new Surgeon General law. Just like you have to put plaques up, you know, to show you're licensed and all that. That's mm-hmm. for tanning salons. You have to have a TV showing that scene over and over. Sure. I could see that deterring a lot of people and harming the industry quite a bit. Yeah. Is that still super popular? Is tanning still the thing? Or is, uh, is spray tanning picked up? I don't even know. I don't know. I, from the spirits in the air video everybody can see i call myself a shade of twilight white that's how (laughs) pale i am we did add quite a few filters to the video as well yeah but i mean i i'm so pale it looks weird when i'm tan i just turn i go from pale to oompa loompa like in a heartbeat are you are you comparing yourself to like lilith yeah like no 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 because when i think pale that's what i think that's like okay that's like, uh, like vampire-ish. That's why I say Twilight nowhere White. Nowhere near that. Uh, I, I, uh, I just joined a gym the other day, and I see they have the tanning beds in there. I have no desire. No. Number one, I, I feel silly. I think I'd feel silly. And how would I tan? Would my, would my hair, like, would I, I'd be like out of shadows on me, wouldn't I? I think so. <laughs> it would look really, really bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> be a great Halloween. That would be weird. Ah, <laughs> uh, y'all just learned too much. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. We just played a call, correct? Was that the last thing we did? did we just no, play a call? we read We read a story. story. Okay. We go to the call now. Uh, Susan in Toronto. Hi. Hi, Tony, Jenny, and everyone. This is Susan out of Kirk in uh, Toronto. Um, I do have a story for you. First, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I should have taken a drink of water first, <laughs> like Tony. Um, in any case, um, I, uh, before I told my story, I was just listening to one, to one of your old episodes. And Jenny mentioned that when her imaginary friend left, when she had to move to Oklahoma, he said, it's time for me to go. And um, it was just a feeling that just struck me, and I thought, oh, that is so sweet. Um, I had a cousin who was an only child, and she told me as an adult it was emotionally very, very painful to be an only child. I had two siblings, so we just had a pack to run with. Um, But apparently it can be extremely emotionally difficult to be an only child. And when, he's, and when your imaginary friend said, um, it's time, 
it's time for, well, it's time for me to go. It was almost as though he was on assignment. And I, I almost wonder whether, you know, God takes compassion on children who we know are having a very difficult time um, being the only child and ask a child in heaven, should you go play with her? You know, for a little bit, you know, it's really hard. And and that's the assignment. And the kid goes and he plays with them. Just like um, with my cousin. You know, she had, she had that little friend until she didn't need him anymore. She never told me whether he said um, or she said, um, you know, it's time for me to go. But... Uh, could have been other reasons for it. Maybe because, you know, he, he couldn't go to Oklahoma for some spiritual reason. Anyway, to my story. Um, this is the first part of two related stories. One was when I was at university, I was doing a lot of, um, pulling a lot of all-nighters. Uh, around 7 or 8 o'clock, I, I just finally laid down to take a nap. And I was in a deep, deep sleep. And when I woke up, uh, I thought, um, you know, I went out into the hallway, and all my friends came down the hall. Oh, Karen, Karen! Yeah, oh my goodness, goodness! This, this is what, um, you know, you know, this, this is odd things happen. Everybody I knew who I usually socialized with had heard one big boom on their door someone go once, bang, on their door. And they're all afraid of a haunting or something. And I, and uh, so when they told me about it, I said, you know what? What it all has in common is that everyone's door who was boomed on is someone that I would want to play with. And I have so much work, I don't have time to play. So subconsciously, what I really wanted to do is play. And one of the things I do to say hello to people, just hi, hi, when I can't come in, it's just, I give a thump on the door. I don't go boom real hard. I just go thump, and I know that's me going, um, you know, hi, hi. <laughs> and I just keep going and, and did my work. Um, something similar happened uh, the next year at university when I moved to the dorms. And I had a witness this time. <laughs> um, and so I'll set that for another phone call. But um, I think you guys are doing a great job with the program. Um, I think I think the the callers are, and the people who write in. The quality is is very good, and uh, I really enjoy it. So uh, all the best to to all of you, and um, take care, everyone. God bless. Bye bye. Thank you for calling in, Susan. And I like what you had to say in reference to my quote-unquote imaginary friend as a child. And, you know, I kind of like that idea of thinking that they are sent to help you through tough times and then they go on to help another kid out. I was an only child for the first four years. So, obviously, most of that I don't remember. My little brother's always been in the picture in my mind um was it 
painful for you to be an only child, or was it? You say that very sarcastically. It's because I can't you imagine very a world with two Tonys in it. Very like, like this is bullshit. If you say it is painful, yeah. Be. Well, I just I think I kind of already know the answer. But Wait, I'm what just, do you mean? What? Did you ever? Really have a hard time I being cried myself to sleep every and night. And that is what I knew I would get. Thank you. <laughs> no, I mean it was it, it was not painful to be an only child for me. Um, it, it did suck. I lived in a neighborhood with no kids, um, so there were parts of it that sucked, but parts of it I really loved. I mean, I just kind of adapted, you know. So I didn't really know a life with brothers or sisters. So I. I don't know. I, I never really felt like I was missing out on anything. Yeah. Um, when I got to be an adult, I looked back going, oh, I guess it would have been nice to have a brother or sister. But the whole time I was growing up, that was the biggest fear I had was that they were going to have another one. Really? I'm like, I didn't want another one. I really just enjoyed being my my time and myself. And I was, you know, I, I guess kind of a loner, if you will, just because I just did it so much by myself and I enjoyed it. I still enjoy doing that sort of stuff. I just, um, I don't know. Uh, me time is nice. <laughs> you know? um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I really had a really active imagination. Had I not grown up the way I had, um, you know, it was a good family and uh, just a lot of time to myself. I don't think I, you know, would have done half the things did it as an adult, you know, because I don't think I would have essentially crafted my mind to be as imaginative and creative as it is in those formative years if I had something else to, like, rely on for entertainment. Make sense? It does make sense. And, you know, having my little brother, we were just at the right age to be wrong. Four years is a good age, theoretically, you know, Uh because you have one that's self-sufficient before the other one comes along. But one being a girl, one being a boy, we fought all the time until we were adults, and then we stopped fighting. But... The thing about it is, nobody else understands what your childhood was like, quite like a sibling. Sure. Because even your parents have a different point of view of what your childhood was like oh, yeah. raising you than what it was growing up. Oh, there's countless times where like, I'm trying to recount something. And I'm, no, it happened like this. No, pretty sure it happened like this. You yeah. know, and it was just, you know, it, you know, the only other thing that was around was a cat, and that's dead. And she <laughs> so... That was my childhood. <laughs> there you go. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. However, I do have some audio recordings of my childhood. You should break those out sometime. I have recordings of me arguing with my mother over vacuuming the stairs. That's an important thing to have recorded. Where she was trying to tell me I didn't do it, and I was arguing with her that I did do it, and uh, I don't know why I was recording it. I was going for proof for something on audio about vacuuming. I don't know. It wasn't very logical, but that's what I was doing. (laughs) You should have had a sibling. (laughs) Why? I don't know. Just something says maybe you should have had a sibling. I keep waiting for the day for my mom to call me and go, you know what? You're going to get a little baby brother. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just kind of feel like it's not going to happen, but I don't know. I'll keep my fingers crossed. <laughs> Michelle writes in, my husband and I are in love with New Orleans. We've been there many, many times and have been on all the ghost tours. We love to explore the history of the city. During one such trip a few years ago while walking down, uh, uh, what is this street? 
I think it's Ursline's. Ursline Street. We both got the feeling we were being followed, which is entirely possible in this popular but very dangerous city. We were readying ourselves for whatever was coming, except soon we discovered the source. For whatever reason, we were being trailed by a little old silver-haired lady. Nothing scary about her at all. She sweetly smiled at us and then suddenly turned down another street. Our logical thinking was that she just happened to be going the same direction for a while. We thought nothing more of it. We returned to our townhouse in Alabama for a few days later and settled back into our daily grind. My whole world changed on the third night back. We'd gone to bed around 10 o'clock and it only took, 10, it only took minutes for us uh, for my husband to start snoring. I had not yet fallen asleep, but my eyes were closed. Suddenly, I felt an icy breath in the airspace around my face, but it smelled awful, like rotten meat. My eyes shot open, and to my absolute horror, there was a woman leaning over my bed near my knees. Her black, stringy hair was dangling over me within reaching distance. Her eyes were black and shiny. Her skin looked very pale, white in the dimly lit room. As I started to squeeze my husband's arm in terror to wake him, the woman lunged at me, stopping just short of my head. She was now looking down into my face. Her mouth began to open slowly, silently, showing her teeth. There were at least two rows on the top and bottom of what looked like shark teeth, rectangular, jagged, and sharp. I was in a complete panic by this point and did what any mature adult would do. I pulled the blankets up over my head and started pleading the blood of Jesus until my husband finally woke up in the commotion. He jumped up, turned on the lamp next to the bed. There was nothing in our bedroom. Our windows were tightly sealed, all doors locked, and our alarm system had not sounded to give any evidence of an intruder. We sat on the bed trying to figure out what happened. There was no way I was dreaming. I hadn't even fallen asleep. No sleep paralysis. I could move and talk just fine during the entire episode, and obviously no human being had broken into our house. So what was it? I couldn't help but remember the lady from New Orleans. Something seemed familiar anyway, but I couldn't ever pinpoint what it was. We decided to call some friends uh, we had made in New Orleans to ask if anything like this had ever been reported before. Let's just say they were not shocked and advised us that we had likely just been visited by a vampire. Uh, this street has a dark reputation of being a vampire street, and we had indeed heard the stories such as the casket girls of the Ursuline Covenant who allegedly smuggled vampires into the city in its founding days. Hey, that sounds like a fun thing to do. Maybe something really had followed us home. The next day, we had the house blessed and cleansed of any evil spirits, and truly, thankfully, I've never seen the woman again. Okay, I don't know much about vampire lore. Or smuggling vampires into the country? Uh-uh. No, I don't know anything about They're that. They're always checking those shipping containers for those. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny, though, that when they called their friends in New Orleans that they were like, yeah, not surprised. <laughs> you know, just kind of... vampire. Yeah. But not like the Twilight vampires, you know, kind of like the, you know, uh, Bram Stoker's va yeah. <laughs> vampire. <laughs> hey, when are you guys coming back down again? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I just gave the New Orleans people like a really bad Minnesota accent. but I don't uh, know either. But I did. I did. I know nothing about vampires. I don't know. I've never really had a big fascination with them. My friend Todd is really big into vampires. 
Really? He had a lot of dreams about them. He listens to the show, too. Hi, Todd. Um, and he's written in a couple times about stories, but he always had uh, something about a vampire, uh, this dream of a vampire that was in this little uh, storage shed, essentially, off of Highway 41 in Wisconsin between Fond du Lac and Oshkosh. And every time I drive down Highway 41 and see that shed to this day, I think of the vampire story that he told me. It was like a reoccurring uh-huh. type type dream. Remember he told me this? that He told me that story one night we were driving back from that weird ass uh, thing wedding that reception? we had to DJ. Yeah, in God knows where, where it felt like we were back in time. Uh, okay. And the whole way home, we were just sharing ghost stories because that was kind of what we were thinking. Um, and that's where that, uh, that story came up. He was, I don't know. And then Salem's Lot and all that shit. Yeah. I watched Salem's Lot shortly after. Because I didn't even, I never heard of that movie until he told me about it. And I was like, oh God, that's a disturbing movie. It is. We're renting it on VHS. <laughs> kind of being freaked out by it. Sammy writes in, the more I listen to your show, the more I remember the things, stories that we encounter at my grandparents' property. Again, I only take into account the encounters that had multiple witnesses. As mentioned in the first story, my grandparents' property had been in the family for generations. There were many theories on why there was so much paranormal activity, but the most accepted that it was on Native American soil. It actually isn't too far from the location that inspired the movie A Haunting in Connecticut 2, Ghosts of Georgia. How the hell is that? I've never even heard of that one. A Haunting in Connecticut 2, Ghosts of Georgia? Yeah, I don't know. Is that just like playing on the uh, Haunting in Connecticut name and then you go into a different state? or? I guess. I don't know. I never saw the first one, Haunting in Connecticut. Me neither. I want to. I, I think I've tried watching that, but I never really quite got into it. I don't know. I have a very short attention span for movies. It needs to go to, like, zombies immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of the shadow people, we all saw my grandparents' house. We seemed to follow, uh, which seemed to follow us around from home to home. I now think there was a demonic presence that wanted to make itself known. My second encounter was a doppelganger. Thanks to your show, I know what the hell it was that I saw. My mom had just started dating this guy, David, who later became my asshole stepdad, of whom I just met. A few nights after I met him, we were still living with my grandparents at the time. There was three knocks on the front door. I was the only person in the living room, so I ran to the window and looked out. It was David. He looked dazed, and I recall him kind of pale, despite his darker skin. I didn't know him too well, so I ran to let my mom know that he was outside. When I told her, she became puzzled and walked to the door quickly. No one was there. But the dogs in the yard were barking and reacting to something we couldn't see. She called him. This was the late 80s, so there were no cell phones, and he told her that he was still in Fort Benning about two hours away. He couldn't drive that time, and he had never been to my grandparents' home. Other family members have seen doppelgangers on the property as well. With there being so many ghostly encounters, I assume it's one demonic being uh, one thing uh, being demonic attached to my family and the property they often saw dead relatives a shadow person or doppelgangers that always had a sinister and aggressive temperament one clue is obvious there is always negativity or some violent outlash circling the encounters i rarely believe them honestly i found it hard to believe the wild stories but now after listening to your show i question why so many saw the exact same thing the encounters span across generations and 13 family members that all grew up on the property. I'm trying to find the courage to go back there. It's abandoned now. Some uh, GoPros, my camera, and video equipment. I think my next project will be a collection of these stories combined with photographs. Recently, on New Year's, my birthday, a friend of my family passed away. 
He was an older man that lived close to my mom. When he passed away, there were some issues with burial, and he's still being held at the funeral home. My mom and brother have seen him twice, or I'm guessing something posing as him to scare the hell out of them. With each encounter, his body is becoming more and more rotten away. I'm trying to figure out a way to tell them my theory that it's not a ghost, but a demon. Thanks for reading. I've been sharing the show with my sister, a friend, and my fiancé who are becoming fans. Keep up the amazing work. I know it's not something you just bring up at the dinner table, but when it's possibly a demon, I think it just needs to be brought up. Say, hey, here's my theory. Let's see about getting the place blessed or something. You thought he was just coming back to say goodbye. He's a demon, and he's going to kill us all if we don't rid him of the property. I couldn't... Seeing a friend that had just passed away come back, like, rotting away, that's just gross. That's And that's interesting for a doppelganger. Yeah. I mean, that's that's that that's something pretty dark, I think, going on there. Doppelgangers seem to be just pretty much the, you know, spitting image of the person. They're not usually the zombified version. No. That sounds like something that's trying to instill fear in someone mm-hmm. right there. So I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with demonic, too. Hey, we matched. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a real ghost story, let us know about it. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number. Uh, of course, we'd love if you could become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. Get the bonus episodes of the show sent to you every single week. And you'll, of course, get access instantly to our 21 bonus episodes just for signing up right away. Go to the website, do it. RealGhostStoriesOnline.com. Five bucks a month. Your support keeps our show going. Thank you in advance for doing that. And thank you if you've already signed up. Lots of new EPPs this month. So thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.